Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Mark. And good morning, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen with the P40 Ministries podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in and for discussing the Bible with me. Today, we are going to be talking about Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And as I always do, I will be reading out of the WEB version, but please feel free to read out of whatever version you prefer to read out of. And definitely make sure to grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. And let's go ahead and start reading. He went out from there, and when he came into his own country, his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is the wisdom that is given to this man, that such mighty works came about by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judah, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and among his own relatives, and in his own house. He could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He went around to the villages teaching. He called to himself the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey except a staff only, no bread, no wallet, no money in their purse, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Wherever you enter into a house, stay there until you depart from there. Whoever will not receive you or hear you as you depart from there, shake off the dust that is under your feet for a testimony against them. Assuredly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So we left off on Tuesday talking about uh, Jesus and Jairus and the young girl that Jesus healed. Now, right after he finished that particular miracle, he left that area and went back to Nazareth, his hometown, is what it says here. And his disciples came with him. Now, when he goes back, Nazareth probably was not a very big town. I don't really know much about it, but I can imagine it wasn't very big because of the people here that all knew Jesus. It actually kind of reminds me of uh, the place I went to high school and it was called Albion. And uh, I laugh because people back then had a very negative opinion about Albion, which <laughs> in the Bible, uh, Nathaniel had a negative um opinion about Nazareth. And then also Albion was small enough that everybody knew each other. So it's just kind of funny. I feel like it, it seems similar to me as uh, where I went to high school at. But anyway, it says that he went back to Nazareth and his disciples followed him. So it says that uh, the Sabbath came. And so Jesus went to the Nazareth synagogue to go and teach. And all these people were listening to him and they were astonished is what it says. So they were like, what is happening here? Isn't this Jesus? So 
here's what they're saying amongst themselves. They're like, this is Jesus. And they're like, you know, how did he gain all this insight and knowledge? He's not formally educated. He's the carpenter. So they're insulting Jesus in a sense because they're calling him the carpenter. They're saying, you know, this guy shouldn't know any of this stuff. He's just a lowly carpenter. You know, how does he know all this stuff? So they're irritated by Jesus. In fact, they're kind of offended at him is what, what it says here. So they're like, how does he perform all these miracles? So they're fully rejecting Jesus as the Messiah because they knew him. And, you know, I, I don't really feel similar as to what Jesus probably was feeling here, but I can somewhat relate. I never had a formal education myself. In fact, I am, you know, I told everybody at the beginning of this podcast, I am no theologian. I can't even say the word properly. <laughs> I never went to school for any of this stuff. And on several occasions, I have had people tell me, you know, that I am untrained uh, and unqualified to do a podcast of this nature. I have been told that before. And so, um, yes, I mean, by all worldly sense, I'm basically not qualified to do this podcast because I never went to school for any of this. I don't have really any college education. I have an associate's degree in business. That's about it. And uh, <laughs> and to be fair, I didn't really learn anything anyway. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I have an associate's degree in business. I do not have any kind of degree whatsoever when it comes to teaching the Bible. I never went to a college. I never, I went to a trade school and I got my associate's degree at a trade school. And so people often hear that and they're like, you're unqualified to do a podcast like this. But, you know, Jesus, look at this. Jesus was not formally educated the way the Pharisees were. I mean, yes, he had all the knowledge because <laughs> the Holy Spirit gave it to him. And also he was the son of the father. So, yes, he had all the knowledge basically in the world. <laughs> but it, it is interesting that, you know, Jesus was never formally educated. And in fact, many of the people in the Bible were not actually formally educated. So God can use anybody to get his word spread. And that is the Great Commission. Jesus tells us all to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. So the people are upset at Jesus because he doesn't have the training the way the people think they, that he should have. He doesn't have the training the, of a rabbi. You know, he doesn't, he's not a Pharisee, but yet he has all these disciples that are following him and uh, they're offended at the fact that these disciples are following Jesus, a man who is uneducated. He's just a lowly carpenter. And the other cool thing about this though is a carpenter, if you think about it, is a builder. And so Jesus was a builder. He built stuff and now he's switching over to a completely different career, which is not physically building buildings or something like that, but he is building people's lives, you know, and so he uh, and he is the foundation. So I kind of like um, I like the analogy of Jesus being the foundation. In fact, right now I am writing a seminar so that I can go and speak at churches and stuff like that. And and um, the seminar I call it the Woman of Purpose Seminar. The entire thing about this seminar that I'm writing is that um, every Christian's foundational purpose is the rock. That is what we are supposed to build our lives on. And obviously, Jesus considers himself to be the rock. And there is a parable about that, about how the man who built on the rock, you know, the floods and winds came, but his house was not knocked down. So Jesus is the rock. He is the foundational purpose in our lives. He is what all of our other purposes should be built upon. 
is the rock. Everything that we do should be built on the rock. So um, I forget what my point was with this. <laughs> oh, that happens to me all the time. So yes, okay, that's what it was. So Jesus is a carpenter, right? So he was probably very skilled at building stuff and he knew all about foundations. And so now he's switching from building buildings to building people's lives and he is the foundation. So I just find that really fascinating. It's it's all very uh, connected. So then it says here that the people are angry and it says, uh, how can he perform these miracles? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? So here's what another thing that... Um, that should be pointed out here. So they call him the son of Mary. So this could either mean that Mary at this point is a widow. So in other words, Joseph died and Mary would be Jesus's only, um, only parent left, earthly parent left. So they could be calling it Jesus, you know, the son of Mary because of, uh, Joseph dying. But another thing that we could consider is that, um, Rumors were spreading about Jesus that he was illegitimate because it was very uncommon to call a child the son of the mother back in these days. Nowadays, you know, that's that's absolutely culturally acceptable to call uh, a child the son of the mother or whatever. But back then, it was more often the son of the father. They would have called Jesus, you know, this is isn't this the son of Joseph? That's what they would have called him. But because it's very possible that rumors circulated about Mary having an illegitimate baby, which was Jesus. It's possible that they were also insulting Jesus in this way by almost calling him, you know, like a, um, a illegitimate child. So that's something we could also consider about this passage that they could have been insulting him in that way as well. And they're also like, oh, you know, his, his brothers are all here and his sisters are all here. Are they not here with us? So how'd this guy get to have so much fame and popularity? And, you know, how is he doing these miracles and what makes him so special kind of thing? So it says that they were deeply offended by Jesus. And in fact, they were so deeply offended by him that their disapproval and their offense basically blinded all the people to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah and that he was God's son. So right then and there, the entire congregation of Nazareth decided that Jesus was not the Messiah because they knew Jesus from a young age and they were offended at Jesus. So then Jesus says to the entire crowd, because they were so offended by Jesus and his knowledge and uh, his, his, the fact that he was not educated and even maybe by his popularity, that Jesus says to them, a prophet is not without honor or respect except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. So Jesus says this to the entire crowd because he was unable to do miracles for them because their faith was so bad. It was so weak. They didn't want his miracles. They didn't care about his miracles. They kind of wanted nothing to do with Jesus at this point. And it says that all he could do was lay his hands on a few sick people. And I mean, I'm sure there was more than just a few sick people in this entire town of Nazareth. And, uh, he was able to heal those particular people that had enough faith, but he was unable to do great miracles for them because their faith was so incredibly weak and probably not even existent. So 
Imagine if those people would have had a stronger faith, how much Jesus could have accomplished in his own hometown. And he probably wanted to. He probably wanted to do some miracles for these people because it says here that he could not even do a miracle there at all because of their unbelief. So I wonder what Jesus was planning for that town that he was not able to do because of the faith of the people being so incredibly weak. So one thing that's interesting about this is faith goes hand in hand with Jesus's miracles. You often see Jesus saying, you know, your faith has been so great that, you know, your daughter is healed or you are healed or, uh, you know, it all has to do with the faith. And I think that's what it all kind of boils down to in general is our faith. And I think the more faith we have, the more God can move in our lives. And I believe that very, very wholeheartedly because Jesus often talks about faith going hand in hand with miracles and hand in hand with God. So that's why Jesus always says, you know, have faith. Don't be afraid. You know, don't do this. Don't do that. Just have faith that God can take care of it. So I think it's important here to recognize that faith goes hand in hand with allowing Jesus to work in our lives. And so I think that is a very important thing that we can take away from this. But it says here in verse 6 that he wondered at their unbelief or he marveled at it. He was like, how? How? How <laughs> are these people so unfaithful? So then when he says this to them, that a prophet is not without honor or respect except in his own hometown, you know, that's that's a very true statement. I think that still applies today. You know, somebody could be a uh, a very well-respected well person in their field. And when they like go to conferences and stuff and, you know, they're a very well-respected person. But when they come home, they're not respected. <laughs> and Jesus is kind of talking about this when it comes to prophets as well, because it's kind of true. I mean, the prophets, um, we often see that in their own hometowns, when we talk about the prophets, they're like cursed, they're getting stones thrown at them. The people hate the prophets in their own hometowns. But when they go and, and talk about this stuff to other people, you know, for example, one that comes to mind is Jonah went to, um, went to Nineveh to talk to them, you know, a completely different city. They all were like respecting Jonah and respecting Jonah's words and respecting God at that point. So, I mean, it is kind of true that the prophets, you know, are very disrespected in their own hometowns, but then when they go elsewhere, they are more listened to. And that's kind of true with Jesus as well, because obviously when he went around to other uh, neighboring cities and even into a couple of the Gentile regions that he went into, the people listened to him, at least more so than, um, than in his own hometown here. And so then after this, he decides to leave. <laughs> He's like, you know what? No more good can be accomplished here. So that's another interesting thing. Jesus left his hometown because there was nothing to do there, you know, he didn't just hang around and be lazy. He left his hometown and he went to places that were more, uh, you know, ready to hear what he had to say. So it says that he went around to all the villages teaching. So then after this, it says that he sends out the 12 disciples 
and he sent them out as special messengers two by two and gave them the authority and power over the unclean spirits. So he gave them the Holy Spirit. And so it says then that uh, he told them to take absolutely nothing for their journeys except a walking stick. That was it. He's like, you know, take the walking stick, but don't take an extra pair of sandals. Don't take a coat with you. Don't take any money. Don't even take a wallet. You know, don't take any of this stuff. So this was definitely a test for their faith, for sure. And I think almost Jesus teaching them how to be faithful. Because we just learn about the faith of the teaching at Nazareth and how, you know, Jesus went there to teach and their faith was so terrible. So now Jesus is like, all right, we're going to have to build the faith of the disciples. And so this is how the disciples are going to learn faith is by not having any money, but having faith that God is going to supply all of their needs. And that if they go to these different cities, they're going to be okay because God's going to take care of them. You know, people are going to uh, take them in and feed them and clothe them and whatever else. So um, this is definitely a test for their faith or at least teaching them to have faith. So Jesus is definitely... um, doing his role as a rabbi to teach his disciples faith and faith in God. So then it says here in verse 10, he says, whenever you go into a house, stay there until you leave that town. Any place that does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet as a testimony against them, breaking all ties with them because they rejected my message. So I switched over to the AMP, by the way. And so uh, Jesus tells his disciples, you know, if they decide not to have you, if you go into a town and they fully reject you and they won't even uh, let you sleep in one of their houses because that was culturally acceptable back then, you know. Uh, In fact, I, I heard it was considered rude if a traveler went by and someone did not open up their house and ask them to stay and eat with them and stuff. So culturally, this was very acceptable to have complete strangers come into your house and eat your food and stay in your house. So Jesus is saying here, you know, to the first person that you stay with, stay there the entire time and stay with that particular person. I don't know what Jesus's reasoning was for this, but that's what he tells his disciples to do. Now, of course, if nobody accepts them at that time, they shake the dust off their feet as they leave. Now, I read somewhere that this is something that Jewish people actually did when they had to go through a Gentile territory because the Jews did not like the Gentiles. So when they had to, for whatever reason, pass through a Gentile territory, when they got to the edge of town, they would shake off the dust from their shoes. So they'd slap their shoes together to to shake the dust off. And this was a sign to the Gentiles, you know, saying like, first and foremost, we don't like you. And secondly... (laughs) We don't even want to carry the dust of your streets into our city. So this was obviously not a very good thing. So now Jesus is almost being kind of snarky here by telling his disciples to do this to Jewish places. (laughs) So he's like, he's like, you know, when they don't accept you, do the same thing they do to the Gentiles. He says, shake the dust off of your shoes and off of your feet as a testimony against them and break all ties with them because they rejected my message. And I think Jesus even says, you know, it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and for Gomorrah than for that city. We learned about Sodom and Gomorrah and all the stuff that was going on there. And so Jesus says that that the disciples have the authority there 
to shake the dust off the souls and that in the judgment day god's gonna look at that and be like oh yeah you know this place was terrible to you guys and you shook the dust off your feet and so it's going to be more tolerable in the judgment day for sodom and gomorrah than for the people of whatever jewish town this would be so this is kind of the end of mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 11 so i hope you guys enjoyed this uh, chapter of scripture but friends i want to tell you about a an adorable and brand new t-shirt that i have available in my t-shirt shop and it's limited availability so this is the first of its kind for me this is a brand new product that i actually partnered with sunday cool teas to make for you guys and it's a water-based a screen printed tea of the Lion of Judah tea. And it is super soft. In fact, the ink, you can't even feel the ink on the t-shirt the because it is literally like dyed into the t-shirt itself. So the ink is very durable. It's very soft. The tea itself is extremely high quality. And uh, it's a really cool design. It has the lion with the bright blue eyes and uh, the words he has overcome from Revelation 5 verse 5 on it. And it's a unisex tea. So both men and women can purchase this tea and look great in it. And I've had a lot of men that have gotten it who have said that they really, really do like the tea. So take a look at that. I will drop a link in the bio of this podcast episode so that you can navigate over to this brand new t-shirt that is being available for a very limited time only. So if you're interested in getting it, uh, be sure to act fast and take a look at that link that I will drop. But friends and faithful listeners, once again, thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Happy listening and God bless.